Welcome back. Obviously, with the long break we just had, there are a lot of details to discuss. But we'll get to that in just a bit. To begin this week, as we continue the Creation Care series, we're going to start with one of the quote-unquote weirder things I've asked you to do so far. It's not weird in a bad way, it just won't seem natural. Don't worry, it'll take less than five minutes. Whatever you're doing right now, stop and go outside. If you absolutely can't stop, pause this episode and come back when you can. But unless it's an emergency, just stop and go outside. If you're driving, find a spot to pull over safely and get out and stand in the grass. If it's raining, get wet. Whatever you're doing, stop and go outside. If you're comfortable, take your shoes and socks off. If you're unable to stand on the ground, do what you can do or sit on the ground. Take a moment to orient yourself to the place you are in at this very moment. What do you hear? What do you feel? What do you smell? What do you see? Breathe. Now, stand with your feet shoulder length apart and feel yourself grounded in the earth. Wiggle your toes so you can feel the foundation of the earth below you. Now, move through each toe on your left foot. As you do, think about all the foundational aspects of your life. Perhaps your big toe represents the people who raised you. Perhaps another toe represents a teacher. Perhaps another represents a faith community you grew up in. As you move through the toes on your feet, and as you are firmly grounded in the earth, reflect on the foundations in your life. What has made you who you are? Now move to your right foot. As you move through the toes on your right foot, think about the foundational places you have lived. Perhaps your big toe represents your hometown. Perhaps another toe represents the land surrounding your house or your school. What soil has grown the food you grew strong on? What trees supplied the air your young lungs breathed as they were forming? What bodies of water supplied nourishment to your body? What has made you who you are? Now, extend your arms up in the air. Spread your fingers wide as you stand tall, rooted in the ground. 
As you feel the tips of your fingers extended out from your body, think about all the different ways you engage with the world around you. The other aspects of creation that you live in community with. The trees you live among. The creatures who breathe the same air as you. The people who stand on the ground that you stand on. Feel the tips of your fingers extended far out from your body and follow your feeling as it goes all the way back down to your toes in the ground. Look around at all the things that are taller than you. Think about how you extend out into the world. And as you do, remember, Although we often measure ourselves by what is above us, life has only ever come from the ground. I'm Anthony Mako. Welcome to Postmodern Liturgy. free to stay in the place you are, but if you need to get back to what you were doing, feel free to do that now. I appreciate you pausing to reflect. That will obviously come back in our reflection this week. It's been a little bit since our last episode. I'm going to take some time to explain what has happened, but I wanted to do that at the end of the episode so that anyone who doesn't need to hear it can skip it. As we come back, it's probably helpful to say Postmodern liturgy exists in a couple different forms. This podcast is a chance to reflect on the weekly readings in the church calendar the week before they actually occur. So this podcast comes out on Mondays and uses the readings for the following Sunday. Hopefully our distinctive is that we try to apply a variety of postmodern lenses to the text, especially offering a space for deconstruction and doubt. You can engage in more material at postmodernliturgy.com. You can follow us on social media at Postmodern Liturgy on Facebook and Instagram and at PM Liturgy on Twitter. And if you're so inclined, you can join our wonderful group of supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash postmodernliturgy. With all that being said, we've taken a break from the weekly readings to do a series on creation care. This is the fourth episode in that series. It seems like the break offered a ton of people time to catch up on the series. But if you haven't listened to the first three episodes, I would encourage you to stop and go back because we're following a pretty intentional trajectory. 
Including this episode, we have two more, and I absolutely want to finish this series. After that, we will return to the church calendar just in time for a couple weeks leading into Advent. As a reminder for those who are current but haven't listened to them in a while, in week one, we talked about helpful and unhelpful interpretive lenses for the creation narrative in Genesis 1 and the beginning of 2. In the end, chaos to order, rhythm and Sabbath, and developing a sense of wonder stuck out as the dominant themes. Not scientific accuracy, for the record. In week two, we reflected on the current state of creation and saw a huge, often overlooked theme in scripture that the state of creation reflects the status of the collective human heart. In week three, we talked about humanity's relationship to the land and learned that in many ways we are homoousius with the earth of the same substance. Our ingredients are soil and the breath of God. That is speaking in a theological sense, of course that our interests are aligned, and that we were given quite a specific role in creation, not as dominators or subduers, but as servants and caretakers of land and water and air, that ultimately does not belong to us. In some ways, episode three was a turn from what's wrong to what we can do. This episode is fully, what can we do? And the answer is somewhat surprising, but it shouldn't be. If you think back to the first episode, I made a pretty big deal of the shift in rhythm and meter between the first chapter in Genesis and the first couple verses in chapter 2. Day 7 was Sabbath, but it is a much more dominant theme in Scripture than just those couple verses. So, we are overwhelmed with the severity of the problem in our environment with the seemingly countless issues in the system that we have trusted our whole lives. What in the world do we do? Step one, stop. We'll talk more about it after the readings this week. Genesis 2, verses 1 through 4. And since we've already used this verse in the series, I'll be reading from the message paraphrase. Heaven and earth were finished, down to the last detail. By the seventh day, God had finished God's work. On the seventh day, God rested from all God's work. God blessed the seventh day and made it a holy day. Because on that day, God rested from God's work. All the creating God had done. This is the story of how it all started. Of heaven and earth when they were created.
Exodus 14, verses 10 through 14. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to Yahweh. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, stand firm, and see the deliverance that Yahweh will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Yahweh will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Before the next reading, I'd like to make a small note. I'm going to read a pretty long passage from Leviticus chapter 25. And here's why. As long as people use relatively small passages in Leviticus to exclude groups of people from community and to exclude groups of people from the church, I will read much, 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 much longer passages from Leviticus that show overlooked and under-talked about themes from Leviticus. Leviticus 25, verses 1 through 28. Yahweh spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land that I am giving you, the land shall observe a Sabbath for Yahweh. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in their field. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land, a Sabbath for Yahweh. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap the aftergrowth of your harvest or gather the grapes of your unpruned vine. It shall be a year of complete rest for the land. You may eat what the land yields during its Sabbath, you, your male and female slaves, your hired and your bound laborers who live with you, for your livestock also, and for the wild animals in your land, all its yield shall be for food. You shall count off seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the period of seven weeks of years gives 49 years. Then you shall have the trumpet sounded loud. On the tenth day of the seventh month, On the Day of Atonement, you shall have the trumpet sounded throughout all your land, 
and you shall hallow the 15th year, and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. You shall return every one of you to your property and every one of you to your family. That 15th year shall be a jubilee for you. You shall not sow or reap the aftergrowth or harvest the unpruned vines, for it it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat only what the field itself produces. In this year of Jubilee, you shall return every one of you to your property. When you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not cheat one another. When you buy from your neighbor, you shall pay only the number of years since the Jubilee. The seller shall charge you only for the remaining crop years. If the years are more, you shall increase the price. And if the years are fewer, you shall diminish the price. For it is a certain number of harvests that are being sold to you. You shall not cheat one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am Yahweh your God. You shall observe my statutes and faithfully keep my ordinances, so that you may live in the land securely. The land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and live on it securely. Should you ask, what shall we eat in the seventh year, if we may not sow or gather our crop? I will order my blessing for you in the sixth year, so that it will yield a crop for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating from the old crop until the ninth year, when its produce comes in. You shall eat the old. The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine. With me, you are but aliens and tenants. Throughout the land that you hold, you shall provide for the redemption of the land. Verses 23 through 28. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath.
Okay, so look, I think there's been a growing awareness of the importance of Sabbath over the last 10 or so years. A steep rise in the instances of burnout among people in affluent countries has sent people running back to the idea of rest. Now, because I don't believe much in zero-sum systems, I don't feel the need to tear that idea down to bring up another one. I actually think the main thing I knew about Sabbath growing up was Jesus' statement that the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. In other words, do whatever you want. If you need rest, take some rest, but it's not a big deal. No need to take this idea too seriously. Like I said, I don't feel like I need to tear down this idea to present a new one. Jesus often questioned legalistic systems. So, don't collapse under the weight of Sabbath keeping. It was made for you. I don't think that statement is wrong. I just think it's sort of insignificant. And as always, we have filtered it through our rugged individualism. So, to begin, Sabbath wasn't made for you. It was made for y'all. Anthropos. Humankind, which means while we may not be responsible for keeping the rules of, of Sabbath for the sake of rules, we are responsible for keeping Sabbath in community. Second, and I think you'll know where I'm going with this, the passage directly says humankind. So are we just worried about humans? Jesus says Sabbath was made for humankind, so humans are the only ones who need Sabbath. Uh, no. Humans are the only ones who can choose whether or not to observe Sabbath. Sabbath is all around us in creation. Bears hibernate, birds fly south, plants go dormant, and so on. And of course you say, what about evergreen trees? And I say, shut up. Every other aspect of creation observes Sabbath naturally. We get to choose, and we have chosen unwisely. For the people of Israel, there's no doubt that Sabbath was a foundational issue, if not the most important issue for their faith. And I'm no expert on modern Judaism, but at least in theory, it remains quite important. Generally speaking, this just isn't true for modern Christianity. Why? Well, two reasons pop into my head, although I'm sure they're not the only reasons. Number one, the dark side of Jesus loves me so much is that we often take that as I am the center of this narrative. And number two, the industrial, productionist, capitalist mindset is so intertwined with modern Christianity that they are functionally inseparable. Unfortunately, we don't have time to unpack either of those problems, but I'm obsessed with them, so I'm sure they will continue to be reoccurring themes on this podcast. For now, let's focus on the positive side of things by making some observations about Sabbath, especially as an intentional creation care practice. First, you are, of course, an aspect of creation. None of what I am saying should take away from the fact that you and I, humans, need Sabbath. We need rest, not just because we're tired and we work too hard and too much. Because rest is a crucial part of the intentional rhythms described in the creation narrative. And as we talk about Sabbath as a creation care practice, we must not only intellectually know rest, we must feel it 
if we're going to offer it to the community of all things around us. I always think it's funny when God's rest from the beginning of Genesis 2 is set up as something that was necessary, as in, look at all the work God did. Whew. God really needed a break. I suppose I don't really have any evidence for this statement I'm about to make. But on the other hand, you don't really have any evidence on the contrary. God was not super tired and needed a nap. The rest in Genesis 2 seems much more like an intentional choice associated with all other observations about the Sabbath I'm about to mention. So the second observation is associated with the reading from Exodus. Obviously, Israel did not want to go back to Egypt. They had been crying out for deliverance. They basically had Stockholm Syndrome. The oppressive known was better than the unknown. At first, it may seem hard to relate that story to us today. Of course, it's not exactly the same, but as Brad Pitt said in Fight Club, we work jobs we hate to buy stuff we don't need. We work so we can buy. We want more, so we work more. We want more, so we go into debt. So we have to work even more. This is part of what Walter Brueggemann is talking about when he calls Sabbath an act of resistance. Sabbath works against the productionist mindset. Sabbath says there are only a few things you need. Sabbath says we will no longer be defined primarily by work. Sabbath is about being rather than doing. Finally, at its core, Sabbath is a matter of justice. I would argue how you Sabbath is just as important as if you Sabbath. Because Sabbath is a collective community virtue. So we should not only observe healthy life rhythms for ourselves, but we should also be aware of how our life rhythms impact all of creation. I know you need some rest, but perhaps taking your helicopter to your truck that is pulling your jet ski, which you ride to your boathouse where you hop in your heated pool and watch football on six different TVs is not the best definition of Sabbath. It may be relaxing for you, but it's not Sabbath. Sabbath restores healthy rhythms, and Sabbath restores balance. So how do we honor Sabbath? Well, there are a number of ways, but here is the most important. Stop. Just stop. And this is where Sabbath becomes the ultimate creation care practice. As we saw in the creation narrative, and as we have experienced, creation has a remarkable ability to rejuvenate itself. Now, there are a lot of other important practices, and we've reached a point where not doing anything isn't going to do all the work of restoration. But this is a significant first step. Just stop consuming. It's funny, when I think about that prospect, even I imagine it to be impossible. How could I not do anything? How could I not consume any resource at all? That's why I began the podcast with the five-minute reflection and why I asked you to stop whatever you were doing. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Try it sometime. Find little moments to stop everything, to shut everything off, to go outside and just be. Let those moments turn into an hour, into a day, 
While you are being restored, creation is getting a much-needed Sabbath of its own. That is how we begin the work of reconciliation with everything around us. We stop treating things like resources and allow them to be in their own healthy rhythms. There's obviously a lot more that can be done, but that's what next week's about. For this week, let's just stop and give space for reconciliation to flow through us and to ease the burden of everything around us, giving it and them the space for reconciliation to flow through them. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. Next week, we will get super practical. We will talk about sort of the grand plan in all of scripture. But I will also offer many different ways that we can do the work of creation care together. I know the problems can seem quite overwhelming. So I just want to offer as many ways to engage as possible. Getting involved is often easier than you may think. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that I wanted to give a little update about what's been going on in my life, especially since a couple months ago, I took a pretty abrupt extended break. Many of you may not need to hear all that, so I'll just say before you go, I'd love if you would join us online at postmodernliturgy.com. You can also connect with us on social media, at Postmodern Liturgy on Facebook and Instagram, and at PM Liturgy on Twitter. Finally, I'd love if you consider supporting our work. You can do that for free by sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast in your particular app, or you can do that financially by becoming a patron on Patreon. You'll be in great company with several wonderful supporters we already have. Check out our Patreon site at patreon.com slash postmodernliturgy to see all the options and become a supporter. So let me give you a little update about what's been going on with me. I've tended to not want to make postmodern liturgy too much about me personally, but so many of you were so supportive during the break. Many of you reached out in different ways to check in, and so I wanted to give an update now that things are settling. Many of you know that I launched this podcast back in March after leaving a job of eight years because the university I worked for restructured my department. At the time, my wife and I figured we could just work with that change. I just decided to work part-time at the church I was at, watch my kids full-time, and start this thing, Postmodern Liturgy, that I'd been wanting to start for a long time. I was able to make that move because my wife had a really good job. On a side note, I learned a ton about the rewards and difficulties of being a stay-at-home parent during that time. But in August, my wife found out that she no longer had a job. Since the United States government can't come to a steady agreement on healthcare practices in our country, it seems like a lot of healthcare companies go back and forth between exploding and dying. We were on the bad end of that. At the time, I knew I needed to look really hard for more work or different work. And since most of my experience is in worship leading, I couldn't really afford to be saying some of the things I was saying in public about theology. To make a long story not exactly short, but not as long, My wife has a new job, and I have a new job, which, to my great joy, allowed me to come back. I just didn't know exactly what was going to happen. 
I've resigned my part-time position at Short North Church, and I've accepted a full-time position at Lord of Life Lutheran Church, where I'll be doing worship and spiritual formation. I mention these churches because this change comes with a mixture of emotions. Both Short North Church and Lord of Life are beautiful communities that are gifts within their communities. I'm really going to miss Short North Church, and I'm really excited to be involved at Lord of Life. In fact, I'm incredibly thankful that one of the reasons Lord of Life was interested in me was because several people there were really interested in what was going on on this podcast. Also, I might as well say, if you're in Columbus, Ohio, it's worth noting that I throw my full support on both of these communities. For the purposes of this podcast, I'm just really happy that I can continue. And I want to thank so many of you for your kind and encouraging words. I really do hesitate to talk too much about myself on here. But at the same time, I wanted to honor the real connections that are occurring with people I don't know in person. I actually went on a really interesting ride related to the podcast during the break. I really appreciated the support when I initially made the announcement that I was suspending activity. And then I got a couple negative reviews on the iTunes store. Of course, I can't be upset about that. I ask you all the time to rate and review the podcast. And some of you did. And some weren't good. That's okay. I'll admit, though, those hit harder than I thought they would. But at this point, I just want to say, I heard the critique, and I'm addressing the parts that I think are valid. But at the time, I thought it's probably not a big deal if I continue. Then I sat down with a friend who was asking when the podcast was coming back. I told him I wasn't sure, and he said his family member would be especially disappointed. Then he shared a message with me, which basically said, I'm sitting here listening to Anthony's podcast, and I'm experiencing a lot of emotions because I thought my beliefs were too weird, and I couldn't talk to that many people about it. It was at that moment that I was sure I wanted to come back no matter what. I felt the same way many times. If you're listening and know I'm talking about you, thank you. If not, I didn't ask if I could share that, so I'm not going to give any more information. Last thing. I didn't want to do anything with support during the break, mostly because I didn't want support to come in while I wasn't giving any content. Charity is amazing, but that doesn't seem like a long-term strategy. With that being said, I will now be doing this on top of my full-time job, so any support on Patreon is certainly welcome. It's not necessary, but, you know, it's nice. I think we have great content that goes along with your support, and I'm going to start offering more of it, especially on the worship planning tier. I'd say that's probably enough for now. Please feel free to connect with us online. I will say my heart and thoughts certainly go out to those of you who shared that you had experienced or are experiencing issues like the ones my family went through. For those of you who hung around, thanks for listening. For those who didn't, I don't mind at all. Next week, we get into practical solutions. And as always, enjoy the tension.